I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. At Dunkin', we're getting ready for sunnier days with our Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. A bright and balanced iced coffee with notes of cocoa, tangy sweetness, and toasted nuts. Made to brighten every day a little more. Soak in the sunshine a little more and fill every moment with a little more, more. Because we aren't just chasing sunsets anymore. We're counting sunrises too. Do more with Dunkin' Sunrise Batch Iced Coffee. Brewed for brighter days. Enjoy a medium for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Sarah's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. Driving cross country with two young children is ambitious, to say the least. Then our check engine light came on. We pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts and they tested it. Turned out it was a faulty sensor. They referred us to a great mechanic just down the street and we were back on the road in no time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Everybody and welcome back to another edition of Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio. We're live right now, live through Scrooge.com, C2CRadioShow.com, and all points in between. I'm Stan Grubb, my tag team partner, Brian Taylor. Hey, what's going on there? What are you what's doing? Up? What's up, Boomer? No. What's up with you? No, what's up with you? No, what's up with you? We have got a lot. We got a lot of fun tonight, man. I'm excited because we haven't done this in a little while, and uh, this one, this one is gonna, as they say, as those crazy kids say, Brian, this one's gonna hit different because we're going back. We're going back in time. We're gonna load up the flux capacitor, or, or whatever the hell it's called, and we're gonna watch WCW Monday Night. July 8th, 1996. Brian, why is July 8th, 1996 a powerful date in wrestling history? Uh, I don't know. You picked it. Okay. It doesn't know. Could it be like the, 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 the night after the landscape of pro wrestling changes? <gasps> he got it right. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is indeed the night after the one and only... Hulk Hogan turned his back on the wrestling world. He became a scumbag known as Hollywood Hulk Hogan. And the new world order of professional wrestling was born. So we are going to go to the Monday Nitro right after. The reason we're going to Monday Nitro right after is because, honestly, it was interesting. The time for Nitro and WCW at this point was everything they did was new. This is the same thing we're seeing right now. So to me, it seemed really pertinent that we're looking at a time where, yet again, company comes up and has just knocked WWE, back then WWF, on their heels. 
Um, and, and in this situation, we're seeing a long time, just a legend of the industry. By this point, I mean, a lot of people thought Hogan's time had passed. And Hulk Hogan was maybe even nearing the end of his career. But, of course, we would find out uh, very harshly that <laughs> he was a long way from done. Um, and and the, at the Bash at the Beach for 1996 is where Hulk Hogan comes out and becomes the third man for the Outsiders. So this Nitro, this episode of Nitro, is all dedicated to the fallout and how people react and it's ugh, we're gonna we're gonna get a good look at it so we've gone to the time machine of peacock and you two can join us right now if you go to season two episode 26 it's the july 8th edition 1996 of wcw monday nitro and uh brian along the way of course we've got other news that we're going to mention so we got a lot to talk about what do you think, man? Should we just dive right into it right now? Well, I mean, I've already skipped the intro, so let's let's get to it. Let's do it. Let's so do we're going to hit play on the machines, and if there's a little bit of a variance between Brian and I, it won't be that big of a deal, but we're live from MGM Studios in Florida as WCW Monday Nitro is on the air. And Brian, you know, the, immediately the first thing I realize is how much I miss Larry Zabisco and commentary. Uh, yeah, I'll give you that, but I think him and Tony paired very well. Yeah. I don't know if I would want Larry with, you know, other people, mm-hmm. but I think him and Tony were very good. One of the, and I've stolen it multiple times during commentary when we do for uh, UCW, one of the phrases that Zabisco used all the time was the game of human chess. And it was always one of my favorite lines about wrestling, because it really is. I mean, pro wrestling is a lot of different things as far as the art form, but the the game of outthinking your opponent, I always liked that, that analogy. Um, sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, everything in life you do, you should play chess and make people play checkers. Exactly. You know exactly. Again, another one of my favorite lines. I'm don't know who said that first. I think it actually came from a rapper. But um, but before we go too deep into it, it we, Wendy Stevens, Brian, Wendy, Wendy is here. He's coming. Anyway, he's on his way. Mm-mm, no, mm, so no, just settle for Rob. Okay, we'll yeah, settle. We're not we're not good enough for Wendy. All right, so I have paused mine. Okay, and I am at Ray, them showing Ray Mysterio coming down. Right, right, and that's where that's where I'm at here. We're going to pause ours here and give it a second because we are joined by Rob Hafter. Rob, what's up, man? Hey, how are you? Good, sir, good. So we are, of course, live right here through C2CRadioShow.com and Spreaker.com. But folks listening at home, we're doing the watch-along of WCW Monday Nitro. Now, Rob, to get you queued up to the right spot, you need to be on Peacock. I got you. We're trying to get there. Okay, okay. We'll take a second. We'll give you a second here. While Rob is getting ready, why don't we go ahead and talk about the first bit of news, Brian, that we uh, thought we'd mention here. And that is uh, an honestly sad injury to report, and that's Bailey with an ACL tear out for nine months. Damn, that's a long time. I I can remember a time in football where, like, if you had a knee injury or hip injury, that was, like, the end of your career. Um. 
nowadays, of course, people get their knees scoped and they're back in weeks. But nine months, man, that's a long time to be out. Uh, yes. There have been plenty of careers that have uh, not recovered from nine months being off a TV. No, not that. Now, not let's that we... see. Wait a second, though. Let's yeah. think about this, though. So, this is, we're in the seventh month, mm-hmm. right? So, nine months would literally take her to WrestleMania. If Ooh. my math is correct. Okay, okay. Into March and April. Mm-hmm. So depending on how good the recovery goes, right? You know, you see, you see, when getting she could miss she, the WrestleMania. She, you know what? Depending on how it goes, she could actually, yeah. That, and that's a huge payday for for performers. So if she misses out on that, that's a oof. That's a blow. Um, Not to mention the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, although maybe they're just like uh, you know, let's put it out five months so everybody will think she'll miss WrestleMania, and then she'll be a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble, and everybody will go nuts. This could be. I mean, not that there's ever a good time for an injury, and, and I certainly, uh, I'm sure I'm, the guys will echo this. You know, we want yeah, we to want. see Bailey get better. Um, but this is a time where maybe this serves as a benefit in the long term because perhaps she can come back as a good guy, maybe repackage as as the heel turn. Even though the the ding dong hello stuff did start to catch, perhaps this is an opportunity for her to make a shift. Wait, who did catch with you? I thought it caught up when caught on with some fans. I mean, I thought it was funny. Yeah, but I mean, okay. I don't, I don't, I don't think it caught on. Okay, Rob says maybe he thinks it was done. Maybe she can repackage from the four, the four version, you know, four version of Tessa Blanchard. You know, oof, oof. Rob is uh, firing hollow points today. Jeez. Yeah, because I mean, the ding dong didn't last too long, right? Didn't she stop doing that just recently? Uh, the last time she did it was just before, actually, no, no, she did it recently because she just did it before the, uh, what the hell was the last pay-per-view called? Hell in the Cell? Yeah, she did it before Hell in the Cell. So, I mean, she's been doing it recently, but, what did you say? The War at Waffle House. The War at Waffle House. (laughs) If they keep calling budget cuts, like, it's going to have to hold it at a Waffle House, that's for sure. Are you kidding me? Because they love touting just how much money they made last year. Well, and I mean, the year before. And then, the oh, before wait, that. budget cuts. Yeah, budget cuts. Uh-huh. We've only had our most profitable year ever at the tune of a billion dollars. we got to cut profit. we got to cut margins. No, 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 no. Pay, att- pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, Brian. It's budget cuts. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. We got we got to cut margins to save money. Yeah, because the interest that they accrue every day by having that money in a bank account wouldn't cover. Yeah. In one day, wouldn't cover. You know what they were paying these people. There we go, applying logic to an illogical situation. I know, I know, I know. I know. It's all, all right, right man. Shall we get I don't this know. on the road? I believe, Rob, are you queued up, sir? 
I'm getting there. Y'all can go ahead. Okay. So as and I'll hit play here on my end in a second here. The the this edition of Nitro starts off with kind of a recap of a few of the matches that took place in the undercard of Bash at the Beach. The first one was, of course, Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis. Um, we would find out that through this matchup, Mysterio's victory gets him a title shot against Dean Malenko for this edition. And uh, also Disco Inferno taking on Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight title the night prior. Malenko makes uh, pretty short work of him. This is back when... You know, and Rob, you can attest to this. Dean Malenko was on just a whole other level versus other guys. It just didn't matter who he was in the ring with. Oh, I mean, Dean Malenko was like one of the first wrestlers I remember in this this era that I was like in awe of. Like, you just watched him and you're like, and they kept calling the man of a thousand holds. And I'm going, I can see why. <laughs> He had he had just about a counter for everything, and if he didn't, he would find a way to make sure it happens. Here comes uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. in a coat that's way too small for him. Wow, look at the young Rey Mysterio. That's too just... small? Did, you think Did I say too small? small? Damn, I meant too big. Damn it. <laughs> and that joke kind of Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> if he's not careful, he's going to trip and fall over it. Yeah. Um, also, this is one of his more iconic looks. He, he mm-hmm. has a few similar to this, but I think he wore pink a number of times. Now, one thing I noticed is that in the commentary for this matchup, Tony Schiavone is just super over the top, over the moon about Rey Mysterio. Just, he's the fastest man in pro wrestling, doing most innovative things. And it's almost like there's an intimidation factor because as soon as Malenko's music hits and he starts walking to the ring, they just think they're like, ooh, and here comes Dean Malenko. And it's like a hush falls over the crowd, except the crowd actually digs them. Yeah, well, speaking of crowds, though, I mean, look at the size of that. That is awful small. Mm-hmm. So, Universal or Disney must have been paying them good. Well, I, I don't recall the the deal the the facts about the deal as far as statistic wise but if i recall bischoff was basically in a deal where he was told hey yeah we'd love to have you here you can do whatever you want on this lot and they basically gave him a lot and said do what you want to do and they integrated with them pretty powerfully wow see this this is cool though because you have like two cruiserweights Mm-hmm. You know, not not like some guy that's 270 pounds being passed off as a cruiserweight. Yeah, this was, and, and the best part about it was it was two different styles. So, I mean, Dean Malenko was just a tactician. The guy just, in the ring, between those ropes, there was nobody better. Rey Mysterio was, luchador, I mean, he was the best. So this matchup, and these guys would wrestle multiple times over the course of years, but their matches were tremendous every single time. So now we just saw the, the, uh, what looked like, uh, part of a six one nine. He wasn't doing that back then. Was he? Uh, if he did, it was done so quickly that we probably didn't even notice it. Yeah. I don't remember. 
if that was part of it. I know it wasn't his finisher, I don't think. No, his his finisher used to be that uh, springboard Huracurana where he would he would slide through. And always I always thought about how just sick it looked because if he hit it just wrong, at the wrong spot, he could kill himself almost. But he always hit it. It was just it always looked slick. So, whoa. Uh, that looks like a miscue. <laughs> the the communication and interaction between these two guys was always great. But look at, there's another throwback. There's Nick Patrick, right? There's a referee <laughs> that uh, never got his due, in my opinion. Wait, wait. What are you talking about never got his due? Never. He should be in the Hall of Fame, period. For what? For being a referee. Being a bot referee? I mean, as heel referees go, he was pretty good. Mm. Well, I might give you that one, but I, I don't. I don't know about. I mean, do do refs get in the Hall of Fame? I'm just curious. Uh, no, Hebner got into the Impact Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, but I mean, I would call that. Yeah, yeah, I would call that a Hall of Fame. It matters, I mean, you know. The WWE one, it's like strictly, you know, WWE. I I would have liked to have seen. I hate I hate that Peacock sneak, sneaks these commercials in. If there's one thing I miss about the network, it's the damn getting rid of these stupid commercials. I don't well, need to see. Well, I mean, Tony. Tony told you at the beginning, it's two hours. So. Uh, anyway, so while we got a commercial, shall we bring up the big debut? Yeah, this past Wednesday night on Monday night, excuse me, Wednesday night Dynamite, I mean the Nitro mode, uh, Wednesday night Dynamite, AEW back with fans, great night of action, and, and making uh, his debut, which nobody saw coming. I don't care what anybody says, nobody knew this guy's non-compete was only going to be 30 days. Tommy and formerly known as Aleister Black, now known as Malachi Black, debuts in, I mean, dude, it, it first, obviously it's going to pop the crowd because they know who he is right away, but what a great way to, to really make a debut in front of a live crowd. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't expecting it. I hadn't got a whiff of it. Mm-hmm. I had, I mean, I had literally just found the video earlier, mm-hmm. right, that I posted on the chat, you know, about um, uh, where he uh, declared himself uh, by the new name. And, and I might have been going to watch it the second time when the lights went out. It was kind of like, uh-oh, I know what this means. You know, I've mm-hmm. been doing this long enough. And then they come back, and he's there, and it's like, well, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, especially since the first time it happens during the strap match, which, can we just say that that was a great strap match? I'm not a huge QT Marshall fan. Like, I just, I'm not. But that was a really good match. I was actually impressed with how well they made it move. And that initial blackout that happens during the middle of it, I'm like, uh, okay. They play it off like they don't really sell it too much. And I was like, okay, so could have been a glitch. And then it happens again, and then you're like, holy crap, 
and there he is. He's like just standing there, and he decks Arn Anderson with the black mass, or whatever he calls it now, um, <laughs> and then hits Cody with the same. Yeah, well, it's supposedly like none of the announcers knew. Yeah, that like, was. Tony played them all, so. Hardest, I, you know, I would assume only Arn and Cody did. Hardest thing in the world in, in wrestling today seems to be to keep a secret, and, and AEW has it on lock. They really know how to do it. Like, nobody seems to uh, uh, know how to keep it keep it a secret. Even Impact doesn't really know how. AEW does. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, even, even Tommy was like, yep, I showed up. I made sure to... Nobody saw me. Mm-hmm. I mean, apparently he was slinking around behind stage, and they pulled it off. I liked that uh, Cody went for the handshake, and then as he's kind of ducking down, is when Black hit him with the uh, hit him with the black mask. That was pretty slick. It, if if he had hesitated another half second, it wouldn't have looked good at all. But it it came together nicely, I thought. But I like the fact that his one eye is still messed up, too. I mean, yeah. you talk about playing an injury. <laughs> Dude, he, he managed to take everything. In, and he the cool thing about uh, about Tommy End, about Malachi Black, is that you know he took everything from before he was in WWE, during WWE, and then after the fact, um, and now into AEW, and he made it all work within the story. And all he really did, had to do was make that video. And it's only, what, four minutes long? Mm-hmm. Yep. Another a, spectacular a video, though, by the AEW crowd, uh, the production team. Also, um, I'm assuming they did moxes too. So. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm, I do have one concern, though. What? How is? Uh, how is Aleister Black not? Uh, or excuse me, Tommy End or Malachi Black? How is he not wanted for murder? You know, he does slash the guy's throat in the middle of the video. And we can only assume he kills the other guy, who I believe that um, the second doctor, I think that was, uh, what's his name, Kenny Johnson from uh, Evolve. He looked familiar. I, I might have the name botched, but that's who I thought it was. Whoa. Uh, so, Rob, you caught up? Nope. <laughs> so, right now it's uh, Rey Mysterio, Dean Malenko. Oh, good lord! I must be a, a half second behind you, Brian, because uh, Mysterio goes for the Asai Mutsov to the outside, slaps face first into the mats and the concrete on the outside. That just ouch. That <laughs> I like that he's he's feeling around on the concrete like am I still alive? <laughs> am I okay? <laughs> he's just shaking it off. Kudos to him to be able to shake that off. That's probably why, as he got further in his career, you know, he's had to have so many damn surgeries. But that was what a scary fall. That's not not a good thing. Well, I mean, let's not forget like the long dark. Mm-hmm. All that, that funny good stuff. 
but I would imagine his style wrestling people that are a whole lot bigger than him probably wow. uh, helps with the injuries. He just keeps going. Oh. Springboard moonsault into. I mean, jeez. As uh, Jr. would say, quicker than a hiccup. Second rope gut buster. Oh, ooh. He does not have a grip on him and just lets him land on the knee. Ow. <laughs> no. No, thank you. One of the things I remember the most about Dean Malenka was before he had his, you know, I'm going home. He was just, they called him the Iceman for a while because, like, he didn't have reactions. Like, it, he would get mad, but that was the only real reaction you ever saw on his face. So you really, really, it, it was, I'm sure by, from him on, by design, you paid attention to everything he did in the ring just to see what he was going to do next. Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing was, nothing got to him. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's why his whole I'm going home thing was like, what? Wait a minute. Yeah. Because um, he did have that. He didn't have, like, he didn't have the overabundant personality, but he had the skills in the ring to back it up. Wow. Man, look at the reaction of that crowd. That That is... And there's no guardrail around the front row, by the way. What an interesting setup. <laughs> the guardrail was future endeavor today. Um, <laughs> Rey Mysterio hits that uh, that springboard Huracurana, rolls through for the pin. And it, it, at this point... It, it thinks, I mean, everything appears to be that WCW is on the rebound and doing all right. Rey Mysterio wins the Cruiserweight Championship. Now, the whole time these matches are going on, there's commentary from, uh, obviously, from Tony and Larry during Hour 1. And if you remember, they would switch during Hour 2 to the second set. So you've got two separate teams of broadcasters. This is before they did the three-man booth, so the second hour was always Bischoff and Heenan, which I thought was a, a great team as far as broadcast. What I noticed the most about these things is, is how Shivani would say, fans, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a little distracted. I'm, I'm, I know that some of the things I said last night weren't professional, but I was so angry because they're talking about Hulk Hogan telling the fans to stick it. Or I'm watching a promo right now between the Steiners and the Nasty Boys. You know, it, <laughs> watching this promo, I thought to myself, why? Why are they face-to-face -face like this? Why wouldn't they just have had the Nasties walk in? Wouldn't that have made better sense? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, they have just a different uh, different style. I'm sure you've seen it before. Mm -hmm. I like the locker room setting, though. This this was always my favorite interview setting. Even on Saturday night's main event, and then on the pay-per-views for WWF. Like, having the lockers in the background, I don't know. It just gave it a different feel. It's probably green screen. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. They're already in Dean's house. Yeah, they're in Dean's house. <laughs> Scott Steiner trying not to laugh during these promos. You can see on his face he's trying not to. I'm sure Rick is probably like poking him or something. 
coming up. The Horseman. Now, outside of Mongo, during this period, 95, 96, probably my favorite. You say something foolish. What? I was going to say probably my favorite iteration of The Horseman. There's nothing wrong with Mongo. Get out of here. Nothing wrong with it. You're horrible. Stop it. Just stop it. Get some help. Nothing wrong with Mongo. I bet you if Mongo was with, with, was with Shawn Michaels, you'd be like, oh, Mongo's the greatest bodyguard ever. Yeah, 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 but he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't Kevin Ash, okay? Try as you might. He'll never be that guy. <laughs> Mongo was entertaining. Let's not. No, I don't want to bury the guy. He was entertaining. Hurry into Mattress Firm. For a limited time, save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases, up to a $4.99 value. Or get up to 60% off America's top-rated brands, like Sealy Queen mattresses starting at $279.99 or Sleepies at $169.99. In stock for fast delivery, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. He was scary sometimes with some of the stuff he did, but he was entertaining. I, I always thought he had a, a pretty good control over himself when it came to promo. He knew how to generate a response. In the ring, he was a little scary. But promo-wise, he was good on the stick, as they say. Wait. Now I'm watching the Glacier promo. Hey, your world is about to change. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> now that is that is some high-quality promos right there. <laughs> Mortal Kombat is on the way to WCW. Mortal Kombat meets laser tag. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. So, Glacier came during the NWO period? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why it didn't last long. I thought it was there before that. Don't you remember when he came out, we all kind of made fun of it because, like, what the hell is this? We got the NWO, we got all this edgy stuff, and then we got Glacier. <laughs> Reminds me of the one that they brought out that literally had laser tags strapped to his chest. Oh, Lasertron. Laser Tron. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was good for a laugh. I don't, I don't know about anything else, but he was good for a laugh. Wasn't exactly very good in the ring either. Good old Lasertron. Yeah. All I can say is Comcast can go to, you know. So. Did, did, did Comcast force you, force you to watch Lasertron? No. Comcast gets me right to the episode. And then it's like, oh, you need to restart your box. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, no way. That's the absolute worst. You all keep going on with your watch along. Eventually, I'll watch with you. Otherwise, I'll just live in, you know, like <laughs> live vicariously. Most, <laughs> most, most of my life, I live vicariously through the friends are having fun. <laughs> we'll try to so keep you involved. Right now, you're, yeah, right now, you're not missing nothing. It's Hugh Morris and Biker uh, Bubba Ray. Or, not Bubba Ray, but Big Bubba. <laughs> he had so many different names. He was the guardian angel. He was the boss. He was, uh, um, the, obviously the big boss man. Um, big he Bubba was, Rogers. yeah, yeah, big Bubba Rogers. And then this is during his the the night before he had had a match with John Tenta, better known as Earthquake, 
where um, Earthquake knocks him out with a roll of quarters. Now, this is funny because the night before, it, it, it's so weird because Jimmy Hart celebrates with John Tenta after he knocks out Big Bubba. But as you're seeing, look at Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton looking all dapper in a suit with the Blue Bloods. Um, the thing is, like, the next night, there's Big Bubba and, and Hugh Morris coming out with Jimmy Hart. So, back when WCW knew that they were confusing and didn't care. <laughs> there's a team that didn't get their just silver dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Blue Bloods. And you haven't oh. learned that Jimmy Hart is a side flipper like nobody else? You know what? I guess I didn't. There he is with the, with the sock. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, how many years did he cheer whoever was facing Hogan? Then he comes to WCW, and all of a sudden he's Hogan's best buddy. Yeah, that always seemed weird to me. They never explained that. It was never like a redemption moment for Jimmy Hart. It was just like, here's Jimmy Hart. You know why? It's because Jimmy Hart would know later on Hogan would open a chain of stores and Jimmy could keep his stuff there. A place for his stuff. There you go. <laughs> Jimmy Jet, the referee. I don't remember Jimmy Jet. He he was only in WCW. I don't think he lasted after WCW ended. Um because I remember him vaguely because like he would he would referee like on the power hour and stuff and that was kind of it like that when they stopped doing some of their syndicated shows mysteriously he just disappears I just don't think they had a role for him they had a lot of referees back in the day so we got Dave Taylor drop kicking Morrison Morris taking his head off he could move. Yeah, bigger guy. I mean, he was fast. He was fast, and he was able to read a crowd really well. He was always able to read the crowd. Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably what made him a good trainer. Mm-hmm. Always later on in his career. When when he first started, of course. Now he was when he first started as Hugh Morris. He starts as the Laughing Man, Hugh Morris. If we're doing a little history here, but he was actually crashed the Terminator in his indie days. And I'm told that he was not quite a hardcore wrestler, but pretty well up to that standard in that, in that day, early nineties. I would, uh, I want to find some of that stuff and see, see his early work. Oh, I, w- I mean, I would think it'd be at the touch of your hand. Crash the Terminator. Let's Google Crash the Terminator. What a great name. Crash the Terminator. Oh, well, there you go. Damn. Invader number one from WWC 1994 taking on Crash the Terminator. Brian, you're the bestest. Uh-oh. Wow. Tenta? I don't remember him with that, like, crazy hairdo. How did that? How did he get the haircut? So yeah. Big Bubba shaved his head. <laughs> this is back when, this is back when like the stories that WCW ran with were running through so many different shows 
that you had to be careful because you never really knew what was happening. But uh, yeah, Tenta got his head shaved by the Dungeon of Doom. It was one of their first things because if you remember at one point, the alliance to end Hulkamania had John Tenta in there as the shark. Remember, he was the avalanche, then he was the shark. And uh, then he cut a promo one night on Nitro saying, I'm a man, I'm not a fish. And that was how he got beat down and got his head shaved. <laughs> and then he was. I mean, good for him, though. Yeah. Then he was John Tenta, nobody cares. Right, right. I mean, Rob, have you seen the hairdo? Not yet. I'm Will still loading. It's like a rub it in. It's your cable box mark. Okay, just keep doing it. No, it's not my cable. It's my internet. I use your iPad. So here's a here's a trivia question. John Tenta uh, finishes up his run in WCW at this point. John Tenta. Right. Is that the answer? Where does he go after that, and what does he do? Incorrect. I'm wrestling from Hollywood. Incorrect. He goes to WWF and takes part of the oddities. Well, we all knew that, but you made it like, I mean, who doesn't know clown, uh, that, that stupid song? Uh, clowns like this. Clowns like this. Yeah, that's it. With Kurgan and... And the jet, the, the insane clown posse and Luna Vachon. Now, for bonus points, do you remember his name? John, John Tenta. <laughs> it's gimmick name. <laughs> you, know, you 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 said his name, so we That's said right. his name. We That's win. That's right. We win. <laughs> you Not win. It's two. It's two of us and one of you. We Not win. our fault. You weren't specific. Two of you. Well, at least you got one brain there. There you go. It was Golga. G-O-L-G-A. Where that is damn funny in your head, and it's still not funny. It's okay, man. Just reboot it. It'll be okay. Did you try plugging it out, uh, unplugging it, and plugging it back in? That's back from your, like, Kimberly. tech days, isn't it? It is. That's what, the booty babe. <laughs> Oh, wow. Wow. had the shrunken head. Oh, man. WCW Saturday Night. I always always liked Saturday Night. It was cool. Um, I see. I liked... I liked their, like, early afternoon shows and their Mm -hmm. night shows. Because the night shows normally had, like, more of a hardcore feel. Mm-hmm. You'd see the blood, you, you know, you get the specialty matches. And then, uh, ooh, Eddie versus Psychosis. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then their afternoon shows um, would be more like your arena show, your house show, that type of stuff. I mean, at one time on a Saturday, you you could watch four or five hours of NWA, WCW wrestling. Mm-hmm. Now, ordinarily, I would uh, try to pipe the audio through here, but because of uh, obvious copyright and all of that, we're not going to do so. But at this part of, of Nitro, you've got Rey Mysterio um, just in a pre-taped interview about the turn of Hulk Hogan where he does it in a a mixture of Spanish and English. 
and you can see the, the just the look of of sorrow on his face that Hulk Hogan has has turned. Uh, Mysterio was what twenty at this point in WCW because he was still pretty young. He was probably a little bit older than that. Don't forget he had a stint in, what, ECW before this? He did. He did. So, uh, he might have been a little bit older. But again, I mean, he just he just got done probably eating his vitamins, <laughs> saying his prayers. You know, Ray Mysterio was a whole Hogan comedian. action figures. Yeah, playing with the Hogan action figures. <laughs> so... Now, I believe we were all together when we watched this originally. What do you guys remember feeling when Hulk Hogan turned? Brian, let's start with you. Oh, I, I, I hate when you do this. Um, now you don't put me on the spot. And you want me to go with Rob first and you can think about it? Yeah, go with Rob. Let me Rob, when oh, Hulk Hogan turns his back. <laughs> Rob, Hulk Hogan turns his back. He's the third man. I mean, what do you remember thinking when that happened? I remember thinking that it was like, as a lifelong Hogan fan, it was like, oh my God, is this really happening? Is this really what's going on? Now, as a wrestling fan at the time, you thought to yourself, this has got to be the coolest angle that I have seen in a long time because think about it you always have you know Rick Flair's going to be bad mm-hmm. you know Rick Flair has how many times did he team with Sting to help Sting and then he turned on turned on Sting you know like it always happened but Hogan was always the good guy and because even when he faces the good guys that have the belt he turns into be the good guy mm-hmm. and for this to happen because it was also at the beginning of the NWO, we didn't realize what the NWO would become. You know, so I mean, it, I think it's it's the thing that puts like just like I would I would go to say just like Hogan put the wrestling world on its ear with the rock and wrestling era, Hogan was a key part in putting wrestling on its ear again and tipping the scale from. Which one are we going to watch? Uh, never mind. Yeah, there was such a an, a feeling of like disbelief at, at first. I remember when we were watching it, and when he starts coming down, of course you hear Dusty, you hear Tony, who's bad now, and and they're I mean they're all talking it up, and then the one guy, the one guy that all this time has been saying this stuff finally gets it right, and that's. Bobby Heenan, where he says, but whose side is he on? And you hear Tony and, and Dustin like, what? That's crazy. What are you talking about? And then he gets in the ring and drops the leg. And, and he just teases it just enough. Hogan's just, he was a genius when he did this sort of stuff. He just teased it just enough to get the fans to be like, oh, what the hell? He's, he's, he's here to save the day. And then, nope, he drops the leg on Randy Savage. And during the, remember all the junk in the ring, all of the all the stuff that's going on, you're just like, damn. Like I remember feeling like I I've never seen anything like this before. I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen that dastardly of a heel turn, quote unquote. Dastardly of a heel turn. Dastardly. <laughs> the villainous 
Hulk Hogan, as Tony Schiavone would say, you can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's even funnier. You can go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and it's actually... Uh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was going to say... Uh, so I didn't like Hogan. Right. At that point. I absolutely despised Hogan. Um, I don't remember... So I, I remember watching it and, you know, I can remember the importance of it, right? Uh, as far as, like, this is Hulk Hogan, who's now gone bad. Mm-hmm. And he ain't been bad since, you know, the Rocky Balboa days. <laughs> right. Meeting uh, people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, even then, you know, uh, what, AWA, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I remember, you know, just the sheer magnitude, but I don't think I really got vested until the first NWO black and white trailer promo. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh, this is really cool. Uh, um, And it it didn't take long to become a Hollywood Hogan fan. Mm Mm-hmm. at least for the time, you know, for the duration of the NWO. During this this time of of Hogan is is turned his back. All of these things are happening. Nitro is two hours long, and very often Nitro would switch from hour one to hour two in the middle of a match. Literally, there would be fireworks going off during the match, and we'll see that. Um, either during this match or the next one here. But the thing that I remember the night after, because remember, we, we would be doing this together. We didn't, we had another, another comrade who would hang with us. And you remember how angry Mike was when Hulk Hogan turned his back? He was legitimately hurt, like angry that Hogan had turned his back on the fans. That was probably oh, the uh... greatest reaction I remember seeing. But again, that's the joy of pro wrestling, mm-hmm. right? That you can become that invested in a, you know, character or person, and mm-hmm. you know they just become a part of you. Now, during you know, right now, we've got Eddie Guerrero and Psychosis putting on a damn clinic. It would be just insane to not identify how good both of these guys were. Of course, Eddie Guerrero, Hall of Famer. But Psychosis in his own right, uh, a tremendous luchador, and very much the reason that the the luchadors got over in WCW. Mm -mm. No, no. Mm -mm. I beg to differ. Really? There's only only one guy, one, that got the luchadors over. And that's because the juice was loose. <laughs> Hoobie had a... Hoobie and Guerrero had a tremendous gimmick before he ever gets unmasked, but when he gets unmasked and becomes the juice, that's next level as far as character development. That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah and Hoobie was... <laughs> Hoobie was off the hook. <laughs> Especially after Eddie left. You know, the yeah. The face of the luchadors was gone. So where are y'all at? 
so I am at where Eddie has just pinned uh, Psychosis. Mm-hmm. And a, a Phoenix splash there from the outside to uh, Eddie Guerrero. That the one thing that, that reminds me of as well is that Eddie was able to hit that uh, frog splash to literally anywhere in the ring. In this finish, when he jumps and hits the frog splash, I mean, he's a good uh, three-fourths of the way away from psychosis in that ring. Mm-hmm. Plus the way he's, like, laying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hoovy's feet should be a little bit more ter- towards the turnbuckle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's more, like, parallel with the side of the ring. Yeah, Eddie was one of the few that could actually turn themselves in the middle of, in the middle of flight. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at Big Show with the title. I Kevin remember not liking. Face. I remember not liking Paul White at all at this at this point. I did not like the Giant. I just thought the the son of Andre gimmick was stupid. Uh, is that legit on Kevin Sullivan? Yeah, so this is 1996. This is the beginning of Chris Benoit and Nancy Sullivan getting involved. So this is, is where... It? Yeah, this is where um, Benoit and Sullivan start brawling during the tag match the night before at Bash at the Beach. And uh, we're laying into each other 100%. Oh, wow. Holy cow. That's, that, that's not like that's, a black eye. That's like a black face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's you like see a broken the, cheek. Yeah. That's, is that, I guess that's Vaseline or oil or something on the side of his face. Probably oh, some kind yeah, of to ointment. Give him the sheen, but, yeah. 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 To give him that sheen. But, I mean, that literally runs down. Oh, man. Down to his cheek. Yeah. On his left eye going from cheekbone all the way down his cheek almost towards the bottom towards his chin wow yeah and here they're showing the still photos this was this was actually the beginning of a really just ridiculous feud where i remember benoit putting kevin sullivan's head in a toilet and flushing i remember them fighting everywhere and you know kudos to kevin sullivan for being in a crappy situation but making making gold happen out of it because it was a hard hitting feud. I mean, it was enjoyable to watch every single time. Mm. Huh. As long as I have this, nothing can go wrong. WCW. <laughs> Famous last words. <laughs> yeah. The foreshadowing there was uh, was pretty good. I wonder how much they had to pay to put the WCW logo on the Hollywood Studios entrance. Well, I was I was wondering that as well as the 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 production cost itself of putting the set up in general. Like, how much did that cost to put together? It's a lot uh, of metal. yeah, but I yeah, but I would imagine Disney did it for the advertising. I mean, think about it during the show. Every mm-hmm. time they show that sign, you, you see Disney, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Even during a match, I mean, you got the water tower with the Mickey ears. Mm-hmm. Well, it looks that, like. That is, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was saying it looks kind of like the set where they had the Indiana Jones stunt show. Hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting. Next time I go, I'll have to try and figure out like where it is. But that's like the main entrance, though. Because if you see back behind them where they're standing, where they're that's the entrance where you walk in. That's where you get tickets. So Disney's like, all right, we're just going to block the whole park off. You have no choice but to see the show. But, I mean, it's free going, advertising. That's not the light parade. I, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember it being Disney MGM. I remember it being MGM. But I didn't remember that it was Disney MGM, honestly, until they showed it just now when we were watching it. Well, that's back to yeah. started out as MGM Hollywood Studios. Mm-hmm. I remember that. As Disney was phasing MGM out, Disney put their name on it, so then it became Disney MGM. Now it's just Disney Studios. You know what's you know what Scott's thinking? What's that? I shouldn't have roared it up in in Florida and have to wear this damn jacket. Oh God, this is. This is before Big Papa Pump. This is before the genetic freak. But at that time, when you see Scott Steiner coming out there, you realize, geez, this guy is. There's he's he's clearly clearly growing. We'll put it that way, without having to make any you know <laughs> speculation. Um, well, this is still back when. And then you look at his brother. Right. Right. And not to, not to forget, here's, here's Hogan Tagalog number one and two. The Nasty Boys, yeah. Now, weeks later, weeks later, the Nasty Boys would attempt to, and I, I just saw this clip the other day on YouTube, attempt to petition the NWO, apply to the NWO to try to get in. Um, so, I mean, right away you've got this whole feel of, wow, so weird seeing Jerry Sachs trying to work the crowd. Um, it, it's just right away you, you know that these guys are are trying to get in on the on the act, and uh, it. I remember these guys having a match, the Nasty Boys and the Steiners on Halloween Havoc. I want to say it was eighty nine, maybe ninety, and it being just bloody as hell and brutal. But it was a true testament of just how good the Steiners were back then, and. and Honestly, the Nasty Boys were probably at their best back then as well. You know who I felt I feel for is every time I see the Nasty Boys now, after watching the, the Hogan Knows Best TV show, uh-huh. and the way you'd see Brian Knobs like hobble around the house, and then like Nick Hogan would like hide his crutch or something. You know, I'm like, <laughs> I just feel bad for him. Yeah, but I'm sure most of that was probably. Uh set up. Oh, Big Papa Pump got your hook up. <laughs> Look at that. There's an angry grandma on the front row. Is that the same one that they later introduced as the as the plant? No, that's the one who has the fast pass for Holly, you know, the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror and can't get there because the wrestling match is going on. <laughs> She's like, I'm supposed to be on the Hollywood... Tower of Terror, but nope. <laughs> I, I've read many times that Rick Steiner has one of the hardest hitting clotheslines in the, in the industry. 
And seeing him just level Brian Knobs just now just solidifies that. Well, it's interesting, though, how some people can develop that. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, a clothesline that's just, like, ruthless. Right. And people get away with it. And then other people try it, and they're like, uh, here's your potato. Here's your receipt. <laughs> right. I mean, I would say it's just like the DDT. You know, the finesse that Jake Roberts could lock that thing in and slam somebody. And then other people do it, and you're like, what'd you just do? You just drop them on their head? But, but yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up. Because earlier I was watching a clip from, uh, what is it, Hannibal TV? Um, where they had a bunch of people talking about uh, their experience with Hogan. And they had Jake on there. And Jake said that the, the what they were supposed to do was DDT Hogan on the concrete. And I think they were up north, somewhere up north. You know, through like WW, uh, WWF country, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he was supposed to DDT him on the concrete. And then Jake was like, no, uh, let's not do that because you can get hurt. Let's just do it on the stage. And the, the whole purpose was to ultimately set up a feud with Jake and Hogan, right? I mean, this right. has got to be the, the 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 guy with the worst luck in professional wrestling ever. Oh, right? easily, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this gets better, right? So, anyway, Jake hits him, boom, drops him with a DDT onto the stage, right? Gets out, uh, leaves. Uh, what did he call that? Uh, this show, the Snake had. Pit. Yeah, yeah. So he leaves the snake pit, walks to the back, right? Immediately stopped in the back by Vince. And they're like, Vince is like, wait for it. Wait for it. (laughs) And then Jake's like, five seconds go by. Ten seconds. Fifteen seconds. Finally about 20 seconds in, they start chanting for the DDT. Wow. Apparently, Vince immediately looks at him and is like, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And he pretty much on the spot squashes this feud that they were building between Jake the Snake and Hogan. Because they tried it at another, you know, like house show arena or whatever. Same result. And Vince is, and they're like, nope, we've invested, you know. All this money into Hogan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to let you screw it up. So now Jake is, you know, another title shot, title opportunity, title a run is squashed because Hogan wasn't as popular. Yeah, and this is 1986 that we're talking about. So this is right around WrestleMania 2, maybe just after, where Jake Roberts was on the rise. Um, this... Because I would say at that point, Jake Roberts was solidly in a situation where he was uh, he was coming up on a point in his career where people were going to recognize him for everything he did. 
and he was getting good reactions. People were really into him. This is also a point where, honestly, I didn't learn about it until after the fact. So Brian's talking about, you know, the interview that's happened here. And I don't even think any of this information comes to light until just recently, only a few years ago. Yeah, I didn't see a date, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, this guy. And again, you got to remember, this is like the height of Hulkamania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now he's not hes not getting booed, but they're chanting for the guy that just laid him out. Right. <laughs> so, and, then, you know, again, any other promoter, any other time might would have looked at Jake and said, hey, get ready to get a paycheck. You know, we're going to we're going to milk this. We're going to we're going to run this. Mm-hmm. No, apparently Vince looks at him and is like, mm, it's not going to happen. Don't even think about it. Dang. There we are going from hour one to hour two. The fireworks going off at uh, Disney MGM. The Steiners win over the ni- the, the Nitros, Jesus. The Nasty Boys uh, to become number one contenders for Harlem Heat's tag championship. And I believe that title shot takes place on the following week. Um, you know, it, go ahead. No, I was going to say, Brian, actually, I think that this is outside the park. Because if you look, the fireworks were displaying, like, the things inside. Like, this must be, like, out where you buy your ticket. Like, outside. Even before you get Yeah, um, yeah, I'm trying to think what it, it must be out, like, the parking lot or something. Yeah, I mean, you can see it's, that's the ticket counters right there. But I thought it was on, like, the inside of the park side of the ticket counters. Like, this well, is on the I, I outside. Think, yeah, it must, it must be, like, on on the side ticket counter because I don't think they blocked the main entrance. So there must be a, like a side ticket counter. Well, uh, mean Gene standing out there with the nasty boys. Jer- Jerry Sags got walloped on the head. He says <laughs> the best part is where knobs is like, Hey, he ain't done talking yet. <laughs> I'll take it away from Sags. I will say, though, I think the Nasties were a very underrated tag team. Yeah, I would Maybe agree. Maybe not like in in the later part of WCW. Well, like they had a reputation coming into WCW. Mm-hmm. You know, which again, back then there was no internet. There was no Facebook. There was no YouTube. There was none of that crap. It was word of mouth. It was tape trading. It was the magazines. Wow, he just snatched the mic away from him. I I remember watching them in WWF thinking to myself, man, these guys are really, really obnoxious. I remember really hating them when I was a kid. I hated watching them. Because they were just they were they were looking back, they were really good at what they did. They knew how to keep a crowd, they knew how to really gain heat in the ring and it didn't matter who they were in there with. And then of course, towards like, I want to say the early nineties portion of their WCW run where it's them feuding with the Steiners and then later Cactus Jack and Max Payne, then Cactus Jack and Kevin Sullivan having just remember those false count anywhere matches they had were ridiculous. And let's not forget the public enemy. Oh yeah. (laughs) Well, 
the public enemy get a real special kind of uh, <laughs> treatment just about everywhere they go outside of ECW. Whoopie D. Ugh. Hey, listen, I I thought I thought their ECW stuff was like fantastic. You go back and watch the the earlier ECW, the what Eastern Championship Wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, before it goes ECW, and watch their promos, watch their work. It was it was great. It was a whole lot better than uh, when they were in WCW. There was a lot of um, actually. There's a lot of stuff that the Public Enemy did that I don't think they get enough credit for. I mean, tables matches, for example that really comes into major focus when they do it. And then, of course, the Dudleys later take that. Holy crap. Jumping Jim Powers. I'm sorry, Jim Powers. Jeez. Only Jim Powers. Wow. He's going to get a U.S. title shot here tonight. That dude was jacked up. Somebody's got a... Somebody's going to pop for Jim Powers. I don't know if anybody else ever will, but damn it. <laughs> His, he was in that elite class of, like, uh, enhancement guys, like, uh, uh, damn it, um, Black Bart, um, Lee Scott, um, Barry Horowitz for a time. Uh, help me out. Who was the guy that um, had the, the loaded forearm? Iron Mike Sharp? Yes! Thank you, Iron Mike. I mean, I just remember seeing them, and, and they always got great reactions from the crowd, and they would never win. <laughs> but it was still cool to watch. I would Welcome put Jim Powers in that category. In three women, and it's like one of these things don't look like the other. Is that Deborah? Yeah, that's Deborah McMichael, right? Who's the blonde? Yeah, that's that's uh, Mongo's wife. Hey, Mongo, you can have a job here for WCW. Uh, by the way, your wife's coming out with Flair. Oh, okay, thanks. But she's leaving with Jerry. Oh, ouch. And then, and then Steve. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to avoid the jokes, but there's so many. <laughs> so was Steve before Jarrett? Uh, before Steve. Steve's before Jarrett. So, because you remember at this point, Jared is still, let's see, this is 96. So Jared is just finishing up his agreement with WWF. He's getting ready to, as they say, hold Vince up for the first time. Um, he loses the Intercontinental title to, to Michaels, I think, in, in your house. And then he would show up in 97-ish as a possible prospect for the Four Horsemen. And he starts costing Steve McMichael matches. And ultimately, Deborah starts coming to the ring with Steve McMichael. <laughs> Jeff Jarrett. No, I Jeff Jarrett. spell your Jeez. name. F-I-R-E-D. If you haven't had a chance to listen to uh, Jarrett's podcast with uh, Conrad Thompson, it's called My World. It's actually not bad. You get, to, you get some... Some interesting tidbits about his WCW run, his WWF run, and then, of course, his uh, commentary on TNA. I'll still say this. I think much like Bischoff, he's very good with revisionist history history as to how TNA unfolded at some points. But otherwise, it's actually really good. Is it me or does that ring look small? 
Uh, yeah. yeah. Brian, is that ring smaller than the WWF ring at the time? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It definitely looks smaller. I think it's just the camera. The camera is like really enclosed. Yeah, this is super zoomed in. I, I don't remember it being this up close. Hello, Glitter Moy. It's Sparkle Pony. Who the hell is Sparkle Pony? Jim Powers. Oh, is that? It, I thought those were sequins. Is that actually glitter? I don't know. It just, I just he got the shiny gear. Stand. Google it. I ain't googling nothing. Google it. Does uh, Jim Powers wear sparkle? No, that, Rob I'm not just doing wanted that. to say. Rob just wanted to say Sparkle Pony. <laughs> and uh, the well, fact that we got Stan to go Sparkle Pony. <laughs> well, he was uh, he wasn't a tag team with Paul Roma, and they were called the Young Stallions. Who was Power and Glory? Power and Glory was Hercules and Paul Roma. And they were managed by Wonderful was Ah, Paul Roma and Mr. Wonderful, right? That's right. That's right. And unfortunately, we found out today that, speaking of Mr. Wonderful, um, he actually passed away. So we don't have a lot of details outside of what we've seen recently, which was he had been dealing with dementia um, and some, some health struggles. And unfortunately, he was posted today. I want to say this morning on Instagram that he had passed away. So, man, another huge legend of professional wrestling, especially from the early times of my fandom, Rob's fandom. I don't, I don't know where Brian stands on this, but wow, you know. Paul Orndorff, guys, if you look at it, he had. A solid run in WWF, worked with Hulk Hogan, was kind of part of that early parts of the Rock and Wrestling connection, goes to WCW slash NWA, goes back and starts really, really making a solid name for himself as just a, a great talent in the ring and starts gaining even more attention than I think he ever got in WWF. Would you say that this is, Brian, we'll ask you first, would you say that Paul Ordorf should have been world champion? Really? That's the question I get. Yeah. Uh, mm, let's see. Maybe not WWF. Mm-hmm. Uh, but very easily could have been WCW. If you if you catch what I'm saying so like the WWF you know I, I hate to say it but it had to be Hulk Hogan that carries you through the rock and wrestling there I mean it has to be right and I don't think there's anybody else on the roster who could have carried you through the 80s and made you what you became mm-hmm. right so the one guy basically creates an empire or helps helps create an empire. 
right? And Hulk Hogan. And again, and this is no slight to Orndorff, but I'm talking like from Jake the Snake to Macho to Steamboat to right on down the line, right? The only way it becomes an empire is with Hogan. Mm-hmm. Whereas with WCW or NWA, it's run a little bit different, right? They didn't sure. Uh, they didn't like really. I, I mean, I know Flair held the title for a good portion of that decade, but Flair was prone to losing titles if it made sense. Mm-hmm. And I think with Orndorff. Uh, down south, you very easily could have created a storyline that made sense. And hence, you know, him beating Flair uh, uh, would have been very plausible. Yeah, I mean, the 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 feud between the, the pile driver and the figure four would have been huge, especially in the early 90s. Um when Orndorff starts really gaining momentum in WCW. Rob, same question to you, man. Do you think that uh, Paul Orndorff should have been, should have been world champion? What I remember is as a wrestling fan, that Saturday night's main event where he and Hogan went on on, at at each other in the cage. Mm -hmm. And they had the, they landed on the same time. Like to me, as a fan, as a young wrestling fan, that was the first time ever in my mind that Hulk Hogan could actually lose the title. You know, because as a fan, you're like, Hogan will never lose. Hogan's the man. You know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, be like, oh God, he almost lost. But. I I agree with Brian. Like I think him and Roddy Piper as chasers during the rock and wrestling and that kind of stuff led to good matches in WWE. But WCW NWA would have been a place where he could have actually taken the title. Because again, like Brian said, WWE at the time put their t- champions in place and kept them in place for a while. You know, they didn't pass the titles around a whole lot. WCW was more prone to, and WWE, I mean, NWA were more prone to moving belts around. Like you said, like Hogan, like Flair lost the belts. And then, I mean, you had Rick Rude as the champion. You had, you know, I mean, we're watching right now where Rick Flair, one of the greatest wrestlers in the game, is the U.S. champ. Mm-hmm. And the Giant, who, no offense at this time, I don't think should be world champ, is world champ based on he was Andre's boy, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, and then there's, there you have it, one of the best talkers in the business, Iron Anderson. Nobody ever cut a better promo than Iron Anderson. I don't care what anybody says. And the crazy part of, especially seeing this this thing here, they're talking about Hogan switching, and Arn Anderson actually, in, in one fell swoop, takes the horsemen from bad guy group to making the fans, wow, maybe these guys, maybe these are the ones we should get behind. doesn't necessarily do face turn. I don't want to say that, but he definitely has a way of 
turning the fans in a certain direction whenever he wants. Well, I mean, if there's a wrestler that I, if I could go back and be like, hey, can you record my voicemail? <laughs> right. <laughs> You're calling Rob Hefner, and by golly, if you're going to do it, I'm going to. It's the best thing going today. Yeah, I mean, Arm was definitely, I think, on par with Rick in some some respects. Oh, yeah. When it came to talking. I think he definitely could out-wrestle Rick. And, I mean... Who can forget, like, one of his first uh, um, NWA promos, I think it was, mm-hmm. on the beach, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't wear white hats. Mm-hmm. I'm not a nice guy. I mean, here's the thing. is like, what, 30 years old, 40 years old, mm-hmm. you know? And I think at the time he was actually wearing a white hat, but I could be off on that one. He was on the beach one. He was wearing a white yeah. hat for the beach promo with yeah. sunglasses, might I add. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking very 70 ish, you know, uh-huh. porn star. Yeah. <laughs> and again, I don't wear a white hat. I'm not a mm-hmm. nice guy. You know, I've said it myself plenty of times ago. It, it's just one of those phrases that I never, I'll never forget. And there we get the first look at. First off, um, kudos to recognizing just how good Arn Anderson was and on the conversation of guys that should have been world champion, in my opinion. Man, he should have had a run. Eric Bischoff, a young, young Easy E before before turning to the NWO. And they played up the night before on Bash of the Beach, they play it up so well by saying that Bischoff was was kidnapped or missing and they didn't know what to do. It's, it's crazy to me because as you start to go forward in the timeline, this is all sowing the seeds for what we would later see as the NWO just explodes the scene. I don't remember the kidnapping angle. Well, they, they don't... What I can remember is that they didn't show anything. Like, I don't remember them ever showing, like, oh, my God, here's Bischoff's briefcase. Where's Bischoff? But the whole night, they talk about it like, we haven't seen Bischoff, he's missing, and then suddenly all of this happens. And I want to say it was during, I hear they're showing some still images, there's Luger getting carted out. Um, we see that Bischoff, you know, would later, of course, be in Hogan's limo during that, that whole situation, but we wouldn't see that for months. Maybe even a year. I don't remember how long it took. Wow. Is is this right? A Benoit match? Craig the Pitbull Pittman. He was actually pretty good. Um, against Chris Benoit. Teddy Long managing Craig Pittman. I don't remember that. It's a tag team match, player. <laughs> holla, holla, holla. Look how how young and uh, still not alert Chris Benoit looks. And that bruised up his side of his face is. 
if I remember reading correctly, he had a semi-broken jaw from that fight with, with Sullivan the night before. Wow. Well, not just his jaw, but look at his... Look at his hand. It, well, what about his forehead? Right above his eye. That lady was like, look at his face. <laughs> And I like how we all know what was going on now, but back then, no one said anything, and we're all sitting there going, what the hell happened to him? Well, I can remember, I can remember during this part, this is uh, early, early, last week we talked about, you know, the, before the internet took over, so so to speak. This is right at that birth part where everything is still in its infancy, and there's not rumors that there's anything going on, really, uh, unless you were reading, uh, I guess, if you were reading Meltzer at the time. Um, but there's not there's not really any conversation outside of, man, these guys were really, really laying into each other. What could it possibly be about? A sugar boo. <laughs> well, yeah, we find that out later. At this point, 1996, did did either one of you think that Chris Benoit, future world champ? I mean, I don't see how you could. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Malenko. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, technically, they were two of the best on the roster. I remember so, being so excited when Chris Benoit went to WWE because I remember thinking, finally, he's going to get a shot at being something more than a mid-carder. Mm-hmm. You know? Because you see how much he works and how much he puts into it. And and so, I mean, it's... And as you're watching this, it's one of the rare appearances that you get to see him on the network. Well, I mean, they've the network was, and and so far that I've I've seen, they've done an okay job as far as protecting it. But they've always always put a disclaimer before anything that had uh, had uh, Chris Benoit in it. You know, this is for adult audiences and stuff like that. Even though realistically, it's just showing his work. 1996, PWI 500, Shawn Michaels was ranked number one, The Giant number two, Sting number three, Kenta Kobashi number four, and rounding out the top five was Ahmed Johnson. Previously wasn't ranked. That's crazy. Benoit was ranked 18th, D. Malenko was ranked 13th. Yeah, I mean... You could tell. I'm never, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Been giving the thumbs up. <laughs> old. Yeah, what the hell's that about? Wrong on him. <laughs> well, you trying to now. say it was okay? <laughs> <clears throat> that was some shoddy WCW booking. <laughs> it's okay to ring the bell, man. It's high. Ring the bell, player. Was he trying to no sell it at first? I don't know. I don't know what. To, no, I, I guess this is. So this must be setting up something between him and Teddy. Because if you, if you remember, Benoit put it on and Teddy hops in the ring. Ah, okay. 
So they must like break up or something shortly after this. Mm-hmm. But, but again, how could you not like look at Benoit or Malenko? Or, I mean, I guess Eddie and, and not be like their future champs. I think at this point, I mean, and I was a big, big Benoit fan back in the day from when he dropped Sabu back on his head in his ECW work. Um, and again, that was like one of the first ECW tapes we saw. If you remember, we had like a compilation tape of just different crazy, crazy crap that happened because we had Steve Austin stuff. We had uh, Mikey Whipwreck and Cactus Jack. We had the Eliminators. Um, and of course, Benoit, uh, Jericho, Guerrero, and Rey Mysterio. And I don't remember what else was on that tape, but it was like a compilation tape we got. I don't remember that one. I remember paying like 40 bucks for the eight VHS tapes or something like that. <laughs> it was some crazy, crazy amount for a whole bunch of VHS tapes, which I think I still have. I think out of that group, I remember I, thinking that D. Malenko is going to be world champion first. Well, I mean, had they stuck around WCW... Maybe so. You never know. I mean, let's not forget Benoit was WCW champ. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Benoit, um, in an effort to keep him, in an effort to keep Chris Benoit, they put the title on him, and he still left the next day. Look, it's I'm on vacation, Sting. <laughs> this is back when it was the man called Sting music. Man called Sting. The man called Sting. Little did we know it won't be a, a few short months and we never see colorful Sting again. Right? Well, until he joined the Wolfpack. Get away from Get away from her. Good Lord. Yeah, jeez. Get away. This um, this match with Arn Anderson, as as we see this, this is towards the end of Arn Anderson's career. He officially retires in '98, but uh, he had surgery in '97. He wrestles a handful more, a few more months. He wrestles the Fall Brawl, um, War Games, and I believe he wrestles in '97's War Games as well, where Flair got the uh, um, the cage door slammed on. I would say that still, uh, still yeah. creepy. Yeah, I, I I remember that shot just being ugh, it was nasty. I think all of us were like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I'll have to admit that was uh, that was quite nasty. The look. Mm-hmm. But look at him now. Fast forward 30 years and still going strong. Oh, even dead Ric Flair will will live on if that makes any sense. (laughs) You're not going to stop that man. Cage door or not. I remember hating this look for Sting. Remember, like, why did he go away from his spiked hair? The spiked hair was cool. You're not allowed to have a personal life sting. Put your hair back. 
I mean, he's got to uh, grow up sometime. No, damn it. No. If I can't, he can't. Wait, so what? Look funny. He's been <laughs> dying his hair. Oh, I imagine that was expensive. Like, every single week having to make sure that he's not got any brown or black or gray or anything. Why do you think he's going to start wearing black and white? He's like, all right, I ain't got to worry about neck. <laughs> no more colors. <laughs> Here's one print. Give me 50 copies of this and we're good. <laughs> yeah, but like the so... Undertaker. What's that? Like, why do you think he started doing the whole walking slow to the ring? So he can continue wrestling until he's 85 because he'd be get to, I'll get to the ring one day. <laughs> Doesn't Sting's hair though go black? It does. It does. As he gets further and further into the the crow gimmick, his hair goes from like a because it's like a dirty blonde right now, light brown to just a straight black. By Starcade, he's got straight black when he shows up and takes on Hogan. One die versus another. Mm-hmm. I guess the black would be easier, though. Because if you miss a spot, it ain't no big deal. Right. Unless for some reason it washes out way too early, then you get streaks. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Slam anniversary. Oh, wait a second. Did they segue me into an impact commercial? That would wait, what? Did Peacock have an impact commercial? No, I mean this Glacier commercial. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the well, world were... is about to change. Isn't that what they do on Impact? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's always, you know, if you remember back then, Tony Schiavone would say, this is the greatest night in the history of our sport. Like, dude, it's 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 Glacier. You know, let's relax a little bit. Well, I like how they have the TV monitors. Did you see the last angle when they zoomed out? It's like they got the TV monitors. Like they used to sit there and there ain't nobody there. Mm-hmm. But you got to love Sting and Aaron Anderson thinking they just interrupted our match for a Glacier promo. <laughs> I would be pissed. No wonder Aaron's like, you know what? F you guys. I'm out. Oh, that's spine buster. Still the best spine buster in the business. Stan's favorite ref. Nick Patrick. It's a great referee. Maybe his earlier spine busters. The early ones seem to have a little bit more power to them. He always had that, and it was that uh, that they call it a three quarter turn. I have no idea how much of it really is, but the when he would hit that spine buster, you knew you knew it was done. Either that or the DDT. He used to do a real good DDT. Trump tells me you'll see it here. What? Not a DDT. Choke him, Mark. Damn. We don't like Sting. Choke him. Get him, Mark. <laughs> Oof. Dropping knees on his face. Choking him in the face. I always remember reading, uh, I think it was Arn Anderson's book, 
where he talks about how he couldn't see a damn thing when he was in the ring because he took his glasses off. <laughs> and I remember thinking, damn, how did you get away with all the stuff that you did? Because he was pretty smooth. I mean, you could never tell that he, he wasn't seeing too well, but it actually, you know, it makes sense because he always, he would always stay kind of close to his opponent pretty much throughout a match. I just never really put one and one together. Yeah, I mean, he may not be able to distinguish a face, but I bet you he can see a 250-pound body. I sure hope so. (laughs) He was one of those guys that always made use of the ring, like the ropes or whatever was nearby, the turnbuckles. You know, they only had a few that would actually do that. But Anderson was always one that would do it. spring in this man's legs. Yeah. According to Bischoff. Are incredible. Oh. He had, he had mad hops back in the day. Not so much now. <laughs> Come on, man. Gotta get with the Jump lingo. The That's what all the kids said. <laughs> he, he probably still out jump you. Oh, that's not a doubt, okay? <laughs> He's a highly trained athlete, sir. I'm I'm not. I, I Patrick am can out jump him. Nope. Okay, I never never understood that counter. That never made sense. Like that's a Boston Crab, and now you're done. <laughs> no, the Boston Crab was nothing back in the day. That was just like a wear down hold until Jericho perfected. Uh oh. There's a limo. limousine. <laughs> you hear bitch I don't know who's in that limo. <laughs> I don't know. Monitor. Look at the look at the guy in the suit though next to it though. He's like, Yep, that's my guys. I'm gonna open the door here in just a second. <laughs> who who went bad first? Eric Bischoff or McMahon? Bischoff went bad first. Did he? Yep. That'd be funny if uh if Bischoff on his next interview says, You know what, Mr. McMahon? You're welcome. <laughs> Controversy creates cash, bitches. <laughs> so I believe that this is. Let me see here. We got this is the their main event match with Sting and Arn Anderson. How many times does Sting and Arn Anderson compete on Nitro? Not just overall in WCW, just on Nitro, like against each other. Mm-hmm. I'm Didn't sure there were a few, but... Yeah. Wasn't Sting the final match, too? Yep. Sting. Him and Flair. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Oof. Not the double axe hammer. It never works. No one ever hits that. It's an axe handle. Whatever. The axe hammer. It's like every time Ric Flair went to the top. Did he ever connect? Never. Yes. <laughs> Wait, what? He did some. He did some. Man. It wasn't often, but he did some. You know what the people in the stands are saying? It's really hot out. I want to go home. Oh, they're like, you know how many things I had to go through in security, and these two guys can walk right to the ring? Yeah, right? That's some bullshit. They're not supposed to be here, but they just walk right through all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, 
Whoa, that's a young, young Louis Spicoli right there. Holy crap. May he rest in peace. Randy Savage is in town. Oh, look at that. That'd be, that'd be funny if on the back it said... It'd be funny if it said reinstate Randy on the back of that shirt. Oh! Sting's too smart. He says, screw you, Arn. We, we could have been buddies. We could have been friends. And now I'm going to break your legs. Macho Man's pissed because he was supposed to be the one to, to do the leg drop and, and turn oh. bad. And Hogan goes, no, I'll do it. There was so much going on during this time in WCW. And, you know, only now... <clears throat> here 2021 we, we find out that it was even not not really going to be hogan until the very last second it was really supposed to be sting that was going to be the third man now that would have been really interesting i mean i don't i don't think the nwo would have been as big but that would have been interesting to see sting as a true bad guy Guys, hang loose for a second. I will be right back. No, where are you going? Yeah, hit the elevator music, Rob. <laughs> you know, Stan. Stan loves his wieners in the handshake. Dan's, got, Dan's opening the can of the auto sausages. The two outsiders. Well, where's the third guy? Is the insider? Who's in the limo? No, Steen. Nobody knew. That's the whole point. Too busy making big movies. Too busy. You know, Sting could cut a mean promo, too. Still there? Hello? 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 Oh. Yeah, Sting could cut a mean promo, too, back in the day. Yeah. Macho should have decked him right there and joined the NWO. Yeah. You know what? (laughs) Yeah, see, like, grab me, but you know what? I'm done. (laughs) <laughs> my hat doesn't match my outfit at all. <laughs> this was a gift from Hogan. <laughs> yeah, I don't want it anymore. Some reason, some reason Eric Bischoff won't okay me to sell these t-shirts at merch. Yeah, speaking of that, apparently Dolph Ziggler says that he has no merchandise to sell. Yeah. You believe that, Dolph Ziggler? Well, I mean, they just like—it's kind of the only thing they could do is sell him in a Bobby Roode shirt. But how long are they going to be together? Talk about two yeah, camps that they—they they got sitting doing nothing. But have they ever sold Ziggler stuff? Yeah, they—they sold that. They had that pink shirt. 
back in the day, back in the day when he was the best in the world. He's gonna miss it. <laughs> uh, I'm not waiting. In line, the has been rock and roller coaster for you. <laughs> That's funny. Snap into a oh, I can't say that. <laughs> man, oh man. I would love to hear like his original voice. I haven't watched yet the Macho Man biography, but like, you know, years of doing that with his voice had to kill it. Oh, I'm sure. I don't know. I don't, I guess you would have to go back to wherever he was maybe before WWF. Yeah, because, I mean, ever since he was in WWF, he did that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would imagine, well, you would probably have to go back to, like, his earliest stuff, maybe. Because I think they talked about it where once he figured out this crazy man persona, he pretty much stuck with it. So. Now I'm going to have to go look for it. Bone souls ready. <laughs> Pick the headset up, and that's what I hear is Bonesaw! Uh, you know, back in 96, when Stone Cold Steve Austin had uh, just become a real hot commodity, that shattering glass was a big thing. Little did I know that shattering glass around the house was being a big thing just a second ago. That's why I decided I to bet. drop the glass and make a big old mess. I bet you won't say that again. Uh, nope. Bet you won't Once. say that again, Dar. Once is enough. Next time the glass will be upside your head. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> so, of course, at this point, Sting has already told the fans, or Hulk, no, Hulk, you stick it. Yeah, we're a little ahead of you now. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Oh, dang it. So, this is where Nitro closes out with... With Hall, with Nash, talking to Scheme Gene, I mean, Mean Gene. Um, guys, what, when, when you think about the impact of the NWO and how all of this starts with Scott Hall jumping the rail, saying, you know, hey, we're taking over. 1996, I mean, back then, did you think this was going to change literally the landscape of everything? Oh. I mean, I, I think. It had the allure to it. Mm-hmm. It was cool and it was neat and it was fresh. And like we did when we first started all watching it, you know, every week we're like, oh, who's going to show up next? Who's going right. to show up next? And then right. after a few weeks, it was like, oh, God, really? That's who you got? Well, but Virgil think, wasn't think, a big get for you? I mean, I think that the NWO's worst enemy was the NWO. True. And the worst enemy was their egos of like, you know, oh, we've got to put ourselves in this and do this. And then their group got so big, it was like the entire roster was the NWO. And then there was Ric Flair and Sting. Right, right. And we, we <laughs> no. started to, we started to see that there was, you know, the Wolfpack Hollywood and then WCW's dwindling group of people that you could really rely on. Yeah. But let's not forget, though, that Thunder 
was supposed to be an NWO show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, so I guess that's why the, the rank swelled so much. But I don't, I don't know why they never pulled the trigger on that. Mm -hmm. um, because, if, I mean, if you, if you take the NWO, put them on Thunder and leave everybody else your more traditional WCW stuff on Monday. Mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, could have been different too. So. Well, I mean, this is one of those situations. Nitro was doing ridiculously well by this point in 98 when Thunder is, is being negotiated. Eric Bischoff sits down in a room, and he's told this a few times. He's sitting in a room with an exec with a bunch of executives, none of which have ever watched a single minute of wrestling programming. And one of them basically says, "Okay, we want you to take this second show and make another WCW show out of it." He starts to present that he's going to do an NWO show, and basically they shut him down, like from the beginning. He's even said that because of that, that was one of the the leading factors for him wanting to quit when he ultimately does that fall. Well, yeah, but I mean, that does. So if they say, no, you can't have the show, mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever, no, you can't have the NWO show, you know, to Rob's point, he never should have let the membership swell to 30 some wrestlers or whatever, whatever mm -hmm. ridiculous number it was. I mean, I've, I've said it, you've said it, and Rob said it. They should have just kept the original three, maybe right. gone up to five and been done with it. Mm hmm. I mean, it's like when they brought in JJ, you know, and then you brought in Eric Bischoff. I mean, you had two mouthpieces, you know, kind of pointless at that point. But we shall see. Yep. Well, this was our first, I want to say this is our first official, like, watch along for Corner to Corner. Um... And this one was very poignant because of the fact that here we are at the 25th anniversary of the NWO. Um, that was just last Monday. And here we are watching the aftermath of when Hulk Hogan turned his back on the fans. I would love to hear what uh, fans want to want to hear from us next. Like, What do they want to – what do you guys want to hear corner to corner watch and respond to? Next, let us know. Hit us up at, at C2C Radio Show on Twitter at C2CRadioShow.com. You can always go to the chat room, leave a message for your boys, and see what you want us to what you want us to go over. Don't nobody want to hear none from you. I said us. I try to keep it safe. <laughs> Brian, final thoughts on uh, this night in WCW in wrestling history. Yeah, it was all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, in true WCW fashion, though, you don't get to see who's in the in the vehicle. <laughs> Overhyped, underdelivered. Would you say that's accurate for WCW? <laughs> nah, I mean it, it wasn't a bad night overall for wrestling, but uh, you know, again, for me, the NWO doesn't really take off until the vignettes start appearing. Rob, how about you? Final thoughts on this night in wrestling history? Well, I mean, I thought it was 
I thought it was okay. I mean, but if you look at this compared to what we see now, it's pretty like you don't realize then, but you see it now is like this shit was typical back then, you know, like mm-hmm. you know, like um they'd do something on the pay per view or something and be like, Woo and then on Monday night you'd be like, Let me see it and then it'll be um, but hey, gotta give credit to Hogan because Hogan was probably in the limo mm-hmm. and still got a payday. <laughs> Smartest contract in the history of, the, of our sport. <laughs> you know, you're gonna pay me, and I'm not even gonna get out of the limo. Okay, Hogan, you are God. <laughs> wow, that's that's a strong, strong statement, bro. No, I compare Eric Bischoff at this time. To the frogs that meet the Robertsons. Oh, wow. When they're under the trance. Okay, Hogan, whatever. <laughs> you are so great. That's, that's actually really fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hey, thank you everybody for checking out Corner to Corner Wrestling Radio this week. We want to thank everybody for listening to the watch along. Feel free to tell your friends about it. You can catch up with Rob at Rob Hefner C2C on the Twitter bot at Rob Hefner on Facebook and RDHUWP on Instagram. Brian's at Vlad Dragul. V L A D D R A C. No, I'm not going to spell it. I suck at this. Vlad Dragul C2C for Brian Taylor on Twitter and Brian Taylor on the Facebook. Catch up with me at Stan Grub everywhere and C2C Radio Show for Twitter. And might I add, uh, I do sometimes get involved with a little uh, pal of mine on uh, the, 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 the the Twitch for some Call of Duty action. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're changing it up a little, so I'm throwing it out there. Uh, Big T492. Oops. So, you still there? Am I yeah, I'm here. Okay, good. I thought I screwed it up there. Yeah, Big T, 492. We are jamming out some Call of Duty quite a bit. Check it out. Catch me and my skills. Yeah. Catch Brian as he's camping and sniping all at the same time. I don't, I don't camp, bro. I don't camp. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I, I only know that that's a term from you, so... I don't play enough first-person shooters to really know. Thanks again for everybody for listening. Have a great night. We'll see you next Monday for Corner to Corner. Have a great night, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 